1: Welcome to the Mouth of Manliness. Welcome back to we Nearly Out of Lockdown. Um, this is a, another Zoom one. Pretty much all this season is in Zoom. Um, and um, yeah, everything's going well so far. Um, I've got a really great guest today, uh, Cara Lizette. Did I say it right?
0: Yeah, you did. <laughs>
1: you just got the coolest name. You've got a film star's name. Do you, know <laughs> you really have. Thanks. <laughs> So yeah, thank you for coming on. Um so I saw uh, Cara's posts on Twitter, uh and you um you have a blog as well, don't you? And I had to look okay. at that too. And uh you're very, very honest about um uh eating disorder. Yeah. And um I feel that it's really important that people, for starters, should feel able to be honest about these things. Um, and by it, like you being honest about it, then it means that people, you know, feel like it's not such a, so much stigma. So, and that's kind of what this podcast is all about, really. So I just felt perfect person. Plus, <laughs> um, I want to redress the balance of men to women. Uh, but that that was that's an aside. To be honest, I just want to talk to people. <laughs> so yeah thank you thank you so much Thanks for having me so um so at the moment i've got the so reading from your your post i i gather that you're um that you're an outpatient now is that right
0: yes as of last week
1: so how long were you an inpatient for
0: I was in day patient which is sort of in the middle um so I was still coming home in the evenings to sleep but just going to the clinic in the day and that has been since um the start of December.
1: Okay so quite a while then. Yeah. So you must feel good but nervous.
0: (laughs) Yeah yeah that's a good description yeah it's scary but it's um it's good to kind of be moving on to like the next phase of it now I think I can kind of put I mean that was a really difficult six months or so so it's nice to kind of be able to put that bit behind me now
1: yeah yeah so um and are you a key worker as well aren't you
0: I'm a nurse yeah
1: I'm a key worker not a nurse so. (laughs) (laughs) so like yeah so now you've kind of come out and you've gone back into work as well
0: yeah kind of um i've been working from home so far and i'm still on um part-time hours because i've been off for so long um so it doesn't really feel like i'm properly back at work yet because i'm just kind of catching up on my emails and doing like admin and stuff like that so tomorrow actually i'm going into the office and that's the first time i'm gonna be doing a shift in my office
1: oh really
0: december so yeah
1: Oh, wow. I had uh, six months off uh, a few years ago because I kind of lost the plot. And um, I liked the, uh, like, I had the same thing, reduced hours, going Mm. back to work, just doing like a few hours a day. I liked that period. That was quite nice.
0: Yeah, it's definitely helpful. Um, I was quite worried, obviously, about going back to work after having six months off anyway, but obviously going to be a nurse in like the middle of a pandemic is quite scary. So it's kind of like double the anxiety of going back than it would have been initially. Um, So yeah, yeah. it's been really weird. It's a weird time to be a nurse at the moment.
1: So I'm just kind of, as I said before, just interested in your journey, really, um, of kind of where you've been and how you've got to here um so i guess i'd like to kind of take you back to when you first started having problems
0: mm, okay so i was i've always kind of had problems with my body image but like as long as i can remember really going back to i remember being sort of seven or eight and being really aware of like what size i was um and then i started having trouble with my eating when i was about 12 and then i was eventually diagnosed with eating disorder when i was 13. Um, So I spent a couple of years under like community um, child and adolescent mental health services and um, eventually then I ended up getting admitted as an inpatient for seven months Uh, and then I was discharged when I was 16 and then from then I've just kind of gone like relapse recovery, relapse recovery, relapse recovery over and over again until today, and I'm now 30, so it's been um, quite a quite a huge part of my life that I've been doing
1: this for, really. It's kind of not that unusual, though, is it, for people to kind of relapse, recover, relapse, recover? I mean, I do it with mental health, you know, like, mm-hmm. I get better, uh, and then I, I properly dip, and I'm not, I know I'm not looking after myself in the right way, and that kind of thing.
0: Anorexia's it's... got really high relapse rates yeah. as well, compared to some other illnesses, so... Yeah, the recovery rates aren't, like, brilliant compared to other things, but I'm hoping... So this is my third time under the adult eating disorder service, so I'm hoping that this is, like, third time to charm and, you know, I won't have to go back there again because I think they're probably sick of me now. I've been going there for, like, eight years. So <laughs> I'm sure they're kind think of thinking that this is the last time they want to see me too.
1: Yeah, there's no reason why not, though, is there? There's every reason why, why it can work. It's better to, you know, think about it in terms of why it will might not mm. work around. It's funny. I had a guy on recently who um, who has an eating disorder, and he's like, he, he kind of said like, you've always got it, you yeah. know, but it's always there. You just learn how to manage it.
0: Yeah, I kind of think of it as being a bit like addiction, where you kind of like you're you're perpetually in recovery rather than ever being like fully recovered. And I know other people don't think that way. And I've spoken to people who have said, you know, I am fully recovered, and I don't think I'll ever go back to it. But I don't think that's something I can ever say. For
1: myself really i think it's always going to be something i'm going to kind of have to stay on top of yeah i view my mental health exactly the same way you know it's yeah. always there it's always a problem um yeah. but it's just how i manage it which is the important bit and uh, yeah, yeah the, um, and the guy i was talking to said exactly the same actually sometimes like mm-hmm. reviewing it in that way is a bit more helpful
0: yeah and i think it kind of helps you um of keep your guard up a little bit really so that you are more aware of when those symptoms start creeping back in because i think if you if you kind of think of yourself as being completely recovered you might not be quite so aware of when things are starting to sneak back in whereas i think if i do think of it as something that i'm continually managing I, i am kind of my awareness is a bit higher as to when things are starting to slip
1: yeah yeah i mean that totally works for me i see my mental health in terms of addiction all the time it was thanks to Russell Brown's book that just totally like made it all make sense for me. Yeah,
0: I've
1: heard it's a really good. Book. Yeah, it's good. It is. So, um, when, so when you're, uh, when you're in the clinic, then do you go? Um, what's the process for? Um, yeah, you know, what do they do with you? Do you do laser therapy? <laughs> yeah. So, um, day
0: patient is um you we go in every day for you get there and you get weighed um twice a week on a monday and a thursday then you have breakfast and then after every meal there's um like an observation period where you just have to stay all together in the lounge and basically just sit still for half an hour um just so they can keep an eye on you really make sure that you're not doing anything you shouldn't be doing and then we do breakfast and then like a therapy group snack Another therapy group, lunch, and then another therapy group, and then another snack, and then you go home for dinner. Um, and then every day, like every group is a different group, so you only do one group the same per week and repeat the following week. So it's quite a good variety. So they do stuff on like uh, body image and like um, the science behind food and eating disorders and metabolism and that sort of stuff. Um, like Motivation to Recover, um, Wellness Recovery Action Planning. So it's really varied. Um, so it's, it's a great programme, actually. I'd really recommend it.
1: Yeah, it does sound good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah at least I'm thinking all that therapy that would come pretty heavy. But do you go... Oh, and... tiring. Yeah, yeah. That, people <laughs> don't realise that is tiring.
0: Oh, it's, it's exhausting. That's yeah, so tiring.
1: It really is. So yeah. do you, have you had to go right into, like, why? You know, why? um why it came about and that kind of thing if you don't like a deep dive, so
0: in day patient you don't tend to do that because it's, it's primarily a weight gain program so um obviously you're there just to kind of eat and get your weight up to a safe level um and then get discharged and all the therapy you do is in groups um so you kind of talk about things more generically because there's a group i mean there's only sort of maybe five or six people on the program at once it's quite small um but obviously you don't want to be going into like your deepest, darkest secrets <laughs> in all those groups. And they're only about half an hour, 45 minutes long. Um, but when you do your individual therapy, yeah, it's kind of all about what the what the root cause of it is. So the first time I was there, I had CBT and I didn't like it at all because I really didn't like the therapist. And then the second time I went, I had um, psychotherapy and he was amazing. And I found that really, really helpful. And then I was well for like the longest time I've ever been well for really. Um, and then this time I'm having CBT again but my therapist is awesome this time so I'm finding it really really helpful because I had written it off completely and when I met him I was like I don't want to do CBT. I don't think it's helpful Um, I've done it before I didn't get anything from it but um, the way that it works is he was my case manager when I was in day patients so we weren't actively doing therapy but he was kind of like overseeing um, the kind of like my care under there so I've known him since um, October now, so it's been a really long time. So I think because I started to get to know him really well, and I thought actually I want to give CBT another try, and he's such a good therapist, so I'm getting a lot of benefit from it now. So yeah, we're doing kind of it's a lot about what are what are your kind of core beliefs about yourself, and how does that translate into anorexia and kind of keep it going really?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people uh, kind of had that experience with CBT. Mm. Particularly, I think, um, and then they write it off. And I I still think there's like I've had bad experiences with CBT, but I still think there's value in it. Um, Yeah, it's just it depends who you're talking to, really.
0: Oh, it makes so much difference. Like I don't think people realise like how much difference it makes a therapist compared to the actual therapy. Like in some ways, I think the actual therapy that you're getting, like the kind of therapy, is less important than the person that's delivering it.
1: I totally agree. Oh yeah, you've got. If you've got, um, if you manage to form a relationship with that person, you know, like just a rapport, yeah. uh, then you're ninety percent of the way there. You know, yeah. you listen to them, won't you? It's, but you know, if you don't like them and makes them arrogant, and like therapists can, can't they? Because they like they've got the key to the door. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and then then I learned that they don't have the key to the door. That you you have the key to you the have door. it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> My therapist said to me the other day, he was like, it's not your fault you have anorexia, but it is your responsibility to recover. And I really like that. Cause it's not like, he's like, I can't do this for you. I can just kind of give you some tools and then it's up to you to then use them.
1: Yeah. Once
0: we're not having, you know, in this hour window where we're talking, you then have to be doing stuff yourself outside of that. And I think that's a really good way of looking at it. Cause I can't, you know, it's been like what 17 years. I can't expect other people to kind of fix it for me now. I need to fix it myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a massive like turnaround for me was that, that mm-hmm. kind of realisation that no like no one can actually really fix it. Yeah. And and I, I started to get a lot better soon after that kind of understanding, yeah.
0: It's like, oh no, I've
1: got to do the work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. It's hard though. Yeah. It's really hard. <laughs> All that soul searching. Yeah that's interesting you said so what did you say around nine when you started feeling kind of self because it's kind of like it's funny yeah. I did the that's when I started to get ill uh, around nine mm. uh, and that was very much about becoming self-aware and feeling like not good not not as good as or not yeah. good enough yeah um, and that
0: was when I started to become really aware of like how how much space i took up and how big i was compared to other people and um kind of became really aware of like the language people use around food and weight and diets and things like that um and it was kind of i kind of grew up in a household where diets were kind of always going on and there was a lot of talk about weight and things like that so i think yeah i became aware of it quite young and i think once it was in my brain it was in there and i always say this now like i things like calorie counting and stuff like that, like I don't do it consciously anymore, but you can't really unknow the calories in something once you know it. No. Um, so it's like, it's really hard to sort of unlearn all this information that's been kind of coming at you from every angle with, for your whole life, like diet cultures everywhere, you can't, you can't avoid it. Um, and it's got just progressively worse as so I've got older. So it's oh, kind right. of like every time I get unwell, I've got like another layer of diet culture to try to overcome each time, which is really hard.
1: Oh yeah, you think it's it's awful now, and now and now everyone's image is everywhere.
0: Yeah,
1: like, it just kind of like intensifies the whole thing
0: mm, massively.
1: And I think, yeah, it's interesting you say. If you grew up in a household where everyone was like well into diets and dieting, mm-hmm. and it it's almost like it makes it an issue before you even start. It's like yeah so uh, yeah how do you feel about that now how do you kind of make sense of that
0: um yeah i don't know like i don't think it's anyone's fault like i don't blame anyone for it i kind of just blame like society as a whole for having this fixation on being skinny and about food being good and bad and You know, holding this, holding people kind of to this like moral standard of you're only a good person if you're skinny and you eat fruit and vegetables, but you're a bad person if you're if you're fat and you eat cake, and it's just this awful, um, like dichotomy that that is just horrible, and I hate it. Um, so I don't blame anyone, like my parents or anything, for kind of being susceptible to it because I think everybody is really, and you have to, I think you have to really actively fight against it rather than. You, you know, to not let it kind of take over, rather than just not being affected by it. I think you have to make a really conscious choice to try and think like, actually, I'm not going to give in to that. Um, in particular, I think people are getting a lot more aware of it now, and there is a lot more on like social media. People kind of fighting back against diet culture, and, and that's that's really um, made quite a significant difference to me this time around. Actually, is that um, I'm a lot more aware of when I can see it kind of creeping in, and even sort of the more subtleties and just like. Um, Like after Christmas this year, I went um, to Tesco and there was like exercise clothes and like diet cookbooks, literally as soon as you walk in. And um, it's all these sort of messages you're just getting bombarded with constantly. So I think I'm a lot more aware of when that's happening now. And that's been really helpful for me in my recovery.
1: It's funny because it also then goes along the side, you know, you've got to be thin, you've got to exercise, you've got to eat healthy. But at the same time, you've got to reward yourself uh, with like nice foods and uh and alcohol and all these things that are like you know it's it, none of it really adds up it just doesn't yeah. really make sense and all, all it is is people trying to sell you stuff yeah absolutely that is all
0: it is yeah so I say the diet industry doesn't care about your health
1: it cares about your money yeah I just a uh, funny thing um I, I heard this a long time ago when uh it was like you know must have been in the thirties or something, but um, like these advertising executives decided that they, the best way to sell products and keep selling products is to tell women they're not good enough. Yes.
0: Yeah, I read a really good book about that recently, actually, and it's fascinating like how far back it goes. And it's almost like it's sort of, yeah, you're right. Like advertisers kind of realized almost overnight this how to sell things and, and diet cultures existed ever since.
1: Yeah. Just tell people they're not good enough and they'll go anything yeah. like that to, like, to make up for it.
0: Yeah. And particularly like what, what science says is that diets don't actually particularly work and that most people that go on, on like a diet will end up either the same weight as they were at the beginning or, or heavier than they were at the beginning. And that's like a, a way to perpetually keep it going because you just tell people it's their failure and it's not, it's because diets don't really work, but you just can keep people coming back over and over and over again to kind of feeding them this lie
1: constantly so yeah it's a a really toxic industry yeah you know like the kind of introduction now of like comfort food Mm. where did that ever come from (laughs) but I feel sad I need some comfort food it's like like that's just another way to try and sell you shit yeah feel like you're not good enough and yeah it just seems like it all kind of stems around there yeah
0: because I think actually like food is something that should be enjoyed and actually like i don't think there's anything wrong with getting comfort from food but it's that they then make you feel guilty about it afterwards mm. like um treat yourself with a bit of cake because you deserve it and then it's like actually you shouldn't eat that and then you just end up like overthinking everything so much so i think actually the idea of like getting enjoyment from food is lovely but then you've got this whole industry telling you that that's wrong at the same time unless it's like a salad or something like that yeah
1: so what, So when you were around nine then, so you started to kind of feel really self-conscious. Mm-hmm. It's quite amazing how, like, you know, that, that's certainly something that happened to me. And uh, I'm quite amazed by um, how regularly people say things like that, how their kind of, they're, well, their mental health kind of declined when they started to feel like they weren't good enough or, mm-hmm. you know, that they don't match up to others. And um, and like some people bounce back from that really easily and they don't give a shit. And then some people like me, uh, it just invades your thoughts and it's just there all the time then. And then everywhere you look, you're like, I don't add up. I'm you know yeah. you, you look everywhere and nothing you're not good enough anywhere. <laughs> and uh yeah, people don't realise that how much those small things can really just kind of infest your brain. Yeah, absolutely.
0: It all adds
1: up, doesn't it? It really does. So then, so, so what was, so did you then just, you know, decide that, um, what did you start dieting initially? How does, I'm just interested in how that comes from, you know, those thoughts and feelings to then like an eating disorder as such.
0: No, I don't really remember. Um, I don't, I don't remember it being this kind of like overnight decision. Mm.
1: Um,
0: I think it kind of crept in over like a series of of months um but yeah it was so long ago and i think because i've had so many relapses in that time it's really hard for me to pick out kind of like where things have started i just remember kind of getting to this point and everybody suddenly being really concerned and i don't really remember what had happened prior to that so much yeah Um, yeah, so i'm not exactly sure to be
1: honest so it must have been so yeah, it's just um, it's quite heavy that you can't, you know, that you uh, then kind of admitted quite quite young, weren't you? In Fifteen, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really scared. That sounds really scary.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. So I was, um, I was in the community being seen weekly for um, well, a good couple of years, and then I did day patient for for four weeks, and then. They thought
1: that wasn't sufficient so then i did inpatient for for six months um yeah it was scary yeah i had a, a friend who had eating disorder and, um so much of it kind of came down to like uh, for her it was all about um like control like she mm. had no control elsewhere so she yeah. kind of seek control through foods you know like when she would eat it you know you know yeah. and that kind of thing and um like that kind of made sense to me
0: yeah this is like what a lot of the work like me and my therapist have been doing over the last like few weeks is that um yeah transpires aren't just like a massive control freak <laughs> and that's kind of what like the root is now because if we can kind of tackle the need for control then the other things will fall into place a bit easier so that's kind of what we're we're working on at the moment
1: oh uh, okay yeah, yeah it's a good one. It's a good mm. one Because uh, I didn't realise that um, like that part of my problems were uh, almost trying to seek control of my mental health in some way but not really being able to. Yeah. And then I saw a therapist and he was like, oh, you can't control anything.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you can't. You control what you think and that's about it.
0: Yeah.
1: And you can't control anything else other than that. And yeah. all the time you're trying to, you're just going to... Like make yourself more real
0: yeah Yeah. well this is the thing is that like I think when you have wow, I guess like any disorder but particularly with anorexia you kind of think that you're controlling your life because you you do have this control over what you do and don't eat and when you eat and what you eat and actually it completely controls you and not the other way around and I think looking back my therapist said to me the other day we were talking about control and I said about I think people have this perception of me that I've got a lot of self-control because I was able to to eat so little. And he said, um, nobody thinks that someone that can't eat with a knife and fork has got any self-control. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> He's got a point there. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it kind of gives like an artificial sense of control because you don't really have any control at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Yeah, yeah. You think you've got control, but it's got control over you, I guess. Just like a did you yeah. think time, you're not all the time you're doing it. You're not in control.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. So that's amazing. So, how's it? It must have impacted really heavily on your life along the way.
0: Yeah, a lot. So, um, I didn't finish school properly because I was in hospital. Um, so then I went to do I did an access course so that I could go to uni to do my nursing, and I had to take a year out of that as well because i went back into treatment and then obviously this time around so this is like the most severe things have been since i was a teenager because the other times that i've been treated as an adult i've still been out of work and things like that um so i've like gone to appointments on my days off and that sort of thing but um because this time around like cognitively and physically i became really compromised um so i had to go to the hospital last year and overnight for like really severe dehydration and I literally just could hardly string a sentence together by the time I started day patient so um yeah this is the first time I've ever had to take time out of work for it and to have to I've never taken this long out of work since since I started working when I was like 15 um and it's affected a lot of like I had to cancel a holiday um and there was like a training like course that I wanted to look at doing, and I couldn't do it because I knew I was going to be a day patient. And like it has, yeah, it has had a really significant impact um, on my life. It's just I think it's meant that I've kind of missed out on quite a lot of things, really. But also, I do think it's changed me for the better in a lot of ways because I've learned a lot about myself being in and out of therapy for so many years. Um, and I think that it does make me have like a better understanding as a nurse about how. It feels to kind of go through something like this, but if I could take it away from myself, I would.
1: Yeah, I um, like I, I feel very much like my mental health um, has, like I've missed out on so much because that was all that was really going on. Like I did things in my life, but like they weren't really going on. It was all yeah. that was in my head. So I felt so much like I've missed out on stuff. Um, and then kind of, I feel like I'm only just starting to get stuff back. You know, even now, I'm 40, I'm 44 now. Um, So, yeah, now I feel like I'm going to have a really good second half of my life now because I'm kind of on top of it. Um, But, yeah, I I certainly feel like I've missed out on things like relationships and things like that. I'm so shit at relationships or or, (laughs) So because I was so self-conscious, I was like, I couldn't do anything, you know, and, uh, and I, I often I feel really shit about that. But now I think, no, it's all kind of, I feel like I can turn it all around now, you know, yeah. like, you, you move forward and you think, I've still got time, still, you know, there's everything to play for still. Yeah, I feel like I've got a completely new
0: lease of life now moment. this is like the most physically well i've been in in probably four years i think um and just in terms of like how like clearly i can think now and like my concentration and like my mood and things like that are so much different but like yeah you're right just missing out on things like like i went to my friend hendu in amsterdam last year and i was so close to not going because i was like i just can't i'm so anxious because i just don't know what what the food situation is going to be when I get there. And I can't bear the thought of gaining any weight while I'm there. Um, So I almost didn't go. And then I did go in the end. but I was just so absent for the whole thing while everyone else was having a really nice time. Because all I could think about is like, when am I eating next? What are we eating? Where are we going? Um, Am I going to gain weight? Have I walked enough? Um, And that was just a constant loop. So I feel like even though I was there physically, like I did did really miss out on quite a big experience.
1: Oh, it's so true. Yeah, because your head's you know, like yeah, everything's going on around you, but there's a whole little universe inside your brain.
0: Yeah.
1: But, uh, you can't even even start to tell people about because they'll get yeah. scared.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm really lucky actually. Like everyone, like all my friends and like my family know and stuff. And I like, obviously like physically, it got to a point where I couldn't really hide it anymore. Like it was, I was quite severely underweight, so it was really obvious. Um, but they are all just, like, really, really supportive. Um, So I couldn't really ask. And, like, my partner, we've been together nine years this year. Um, So he's been there for, like, all three times that I've been at the service now. Um, And he's been, like, amazing every time. I'm really lucky.
1: Oh, yeah. My wife's uh, had her ups and downs with me. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, like, you just think if they put up with you for all of that, then right, you're pretty solid, didn't you? Got, <laughs>
0: exactly,
1: yeah. All right. And you haven't got quite anything. I still find myself though. Uh, I still have days when, uh, uh, like if I'm like, I'm having a dip in mood, and um, I'm like, no, no, I've got it. I'm under control, and I won't. I won't talk to my wife about it. And then, then I clearly am not. I'm starting to be unwell, and then she'll start pushing me. And I'll finally just go, okay, right, yeah, my brain's telling me this. (laughs) And then then I feel so much better. And I'm like, why do I do that every time? Why do I not just say? We did this
0: exact same thing last night. (laughs) He'll be like, are you okay? And I'll say, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And then we'll probably go through It'll take maybe like three or four hours and he'll just ask me like occasionally over that time. And then in the end, I'm like, no, I'm really anxious actually. (laughs) So why don't you just say that in the first place?
1: Yeah, it's because, but the thing is, it's not because you're like, you don't want to talk about it. It's because you're telling yourself that you're all right, you know?
0: If that's it, I'm like, if I say I'm anxious, it will make me more anxious. If I just pretend I'm not, it will go away.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do exactly the same. It don't work. No, it don't work. So, so do you, so. Is anxiety quite a key then for you? Mm,
0: yeah, definitely. And it's a bit. It's funny actually because I've always said for like my whole life that I'm not. I'm not a very anxious person. And like, like I go travelling on my own. I do a lot of public speaking. Like, so I'm like a big extrovert. So like socially, I'll go out and just chat to anyone. Yeah. Um, and so I've always thought like, no, nah, I'm not anxious. I'm not anxious. And then that's definitely something I've learned about myself over the last like year or so. Is that actually like i'm really really anxious but i'm so like i've spent so many years trying to like squash it that i i don't i don't feel it like physically really it's just the thoughts um so the last time so i've had therapy with just like the generic mental health team as well last year um and what we kind of established from that is that i'm i'm so bad at, at like registering emotions that I don't realise I'm having them um, and I did a lot of learning from that and yeah it transpires that I am really really anxious like quite a lot of the time um, and particularly with like anorexia it's kind of like quite anxiety based anyway because obviously you wake up and your anxiety is all about like just constantly around like food and your weight and exercise and any other sort of behaviours that might be a part of that um, so yeah it's yeah <laughs> I'd like to be less anxious than I am but. I think
1: once I'm kind of in a better place with my eating disorder my anxiety will be a lot lower than it is now. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Like, you know I I, I had the similar thing when I, I didn't think I ever had any anxiety because I'd never had a panic attack. Mm. Um, but then I uh and then I got called out on it by a therapist and I went, Yeah, you you're really anxious, aren't you? You're always like this and I'm like, What like what? <laughs> you know like <laughs> On edge, you know, like you can't relax, you can't you know, like it's it's it goes with like mental health, is that you're always kind of you're always having a little battle in your head and it, it, it makes you kind of hyper aware I think.
0: Yeah.
1: And like the anxiety actually kinda of goes with it. So that was when I discovered that yeah, I do actually have a bit of anxiety. Not to the extreme sense. That's the thing, when you kind of start having problems like we have, you start to um uh, little things, they're like nothing, kind of a bit of anxiety. Yeah. yeah, I can deal with that.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah that's easy.
0: Yeah, like I definitely, I think it is all it all really intertwined with my eating disorder because I think, like, I do have really specific like sort of fears, but I, yeah, like I said, generally, like I don't have any sort of like generalised anxiety. And, like I'm really sociable and I'm quite happy doing things independently. So I, I do think when I'm kind of over this this hump. So
1: to speak, I think that that anxiety will come down a lot. Oh yeah, you're you're virtually there. Okay, <laughs> I think about it in terms of I've done it. I've, I've yeah. done it. I smashed it, <laughs> easy. What next? <laughs> that's all. That's all I do now. Maybe only that in a few months. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Come on, what else? <laughs> and then you start thinking, oh, and then like I found like. um few years down the line of doing a lot a lot of work on myself and having psychotherapy and everything. Uh I found that where I was constantly having to kind of remind myself of techniques and things that i have been that I'd learned. Um they always said, you know, if you keep doing it, it will become normal. And then like one day I was like, fuck it has actually become normal. Yeah. (laughs) I'm actually like that's my normal now. Yeah it took like you know like 35 years of battering it but that became my normal and now uh it's kind of unusual that i'm the other way around now
0: yeah it's just a lot of it's practice isn't it is that you can get these skills in treatment but they're not going to work if you just do them an hour a week when you're with the therapist the hard work is outside of that hour when you're having to do it yourself but you're right like it does It does get easier and easier and i think there does come a point where one day you're suddenly like oh hang on i used to get worried about that and and i'm not worried about it today and that's when you start noticing the changes i think
1: yeah yeah i've got to a point now where i'm like i'm doing really well with most things and now there's the little things like drink a bit less at the weekends you know just like really little things now and now i'm like actually i really want to do that i really want to deal with these other little things because you know how how good could I feel? You know, there yeah. might be there might be a whole other world of good in you. Yeah. You start thinking, yeah. ah, because I've done this now, I can do that. It's pretty amazing. Mm. What, what do you do? Public speaking? Then what, is that about about this?
0: so it started with um I started working you know, time to change their uh like um, a mental health like anti-stigma um campaign and so I started working for them in 2013 I think it was um so I used to spend a lot of time going around to like schools and youth groups and things like that just kind of talking about my story and just mental health in general and trying to sort of break stigma down um and then since I've kind of like gone to uni and done my nursing and stuff like that like i've gone back to uni and done a couple of lectures and um i do some like presentations with work where we deliver um yeah like sort of teaching sessions to like parents and teachers and social workers and and anyone that works with young people really or has like a sort of caring role for a young person about um, children's mental health and kind of how to work with that so it's been really nice actually because i quite enjoy public speaking so it's been nice that i don't do as much actively with time to change now but i've been able to sort of transfer a lot of those skills into my like professional like into my nursing life So it's been really nice it's
1: um it also gives you uh makes you feel good about yourself
0: Mm, it's such a good skill to have as well for life i think like just being able to like fall back on that because you do like in education and stuff a lot, you kind of have to do like public speaking stuff. So, um, yeah, very fortunate actually by the time I got to uni and we were having to do presentations, I'd already been doing public speaking for like three or four years by then. So I felt like it was really nice for me to not be absolutely bricking it when I had to do a presentation because I'd already been practicing for quite a while. So yeah, it's definitely a skill that I think I'm really grateful that I've, that I've developed kind of through working for Time to Change. It's been really useful for me.
1: I found, um, you know, uh, you, you said earlier about um, like core beliefs, mm. and um, I remember experiencing core beliefs um, when I was having therapy, and really struggling with what my core beliefs were. Mm. Um, and then I kind of, I just came to the conclusion it was just about what things do I like, or what would I, how would I like myself to be. Mm. It was really, really strange and difficult. Um, But I essentially took from it that you should do the things you like doing a lot. And and then those things will make you feel good about yourself, which kind of is the opposite to what your head's telling you. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's the hard thing, isn't it? Sometimes you have to, like, pretend to be better to get better. Yeah. Yeah, a while ago it said, like, with anorexia, you have to act recovered in order to be recovered because you have to eat your meals and you have to stop doing, you know, all the bad things that you're doing and you have to basically behave like you're well in order to get to the point where you're actually well, which is weird because you're kind of faking it all the way until you make it.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you are, yeah, that's exactly right. That's so true. And like yeah. that kind of and and one of my core beliefs are it's like I don't like lying and I don't like bullshit. And yeah. then you're kind of actively bullshitting you're trying to bullshit your your brain and then your brain yeah. is <laughs> and you're a fucking fake. Yeah. <laughs> Just fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found, have um, you done stuff about uh, um, like kind of not being, you know, like mindfulness techniques, mm. like not being like angry with your brain where you're like, ah, oh, it's all right. You yeah. Know. Do
0: you know what? I, I hate mindfulness and I feel bad about it because like I in work have to, wouldn't well, have to, but like I know it's really helpful for a lot of people to kind of like advocate that it's a really useful skill to develop. And I did a lot of it in uni and like in day patient, we did quite a lot of mindfulness. And like, I just can't get on with it. I've tried so hard and like through like all different kinds of therapy, I've tried it. And like it's just not for me at all. I struggle with it so much. And I think it's just because I'm not very good at it. But like it's just the more I try and like empty my brain the more it goes into overdrive and kind of like makes me think about all the things I don't want to think about. So I kind of prefer to like busy myself, which might not be the healthiest strategy to kind of cope with those things. But it's easier for me to do that than it is for them to kind of just sit there, you
1: know? Oh, you have to, you have to work with what, what you've got, you know, like you mm. have to, if something works and you grab hold of it with both hands. Totally. Yeah. I remember like first going in psychotherapy and them saying, uh, like really, kind of sitting me down and going, "If you're gonna go into psychotherapy, like you've, like have you got support? Like you know who's at home? Um, you know who else can support you? Because they're like, we've got to break down all of your defences and then build them up again." And I was like, I walked out of there a shell of a man, just yes. like just almost breaking down because I'm like, fuck, I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah,
0: therapy's hard. Like it's really hard
1: it is i love it but now i love therapy like i can't wait to have therapy and but i sometimes come out of it exhausted but more than not now i come out of it feeling pretty good yeah,
0: I get that. like if i i do feel i do feel tired afterwards sometimes if it's been like particularly difficult but i think a lot of the time i come out of it feeling quite energized and like yeah i've kind of i'm sorting my shit out i know what i'm doing like i'm in a good place and then Obviously, things go up and down throughout the week until my next session. But yeah, a lot of the time now, I do come out of it with a bit of a buzz, of thinking, like, yeah, I'm kind of taking back control over the situation and kind of a bit more hopeful about the future, really.
1: Yeah, I do. But I think, uh, like, I'm the... Excuse me, I didn't get really stuck into mindfulness. Um, but, like, that kind of concept of not necessarily, um, like, kind of sit with it, but um, don't fight it. You know, not fighting my brain, not fighting the thoughts, just like letting them go. Uh, all the time I was fighting them before, I was just making them bigger. And that really helped. That kind of concepts that really, really helped me because it's like, and I found that was like that's what psychotherapy did. Really, was that stop fighting? Yeah. When you're fighting, you're feeding it. The minute you stop fighting it, um, that was when I kind of moved massively move forward really. And it's like don't fight your brain. Yeah. Your brains actually just try to help you out.
0: Yeah, like a lot of the things that um, you know, our brains tell us, they they think they're doing it to be helpful, <laughs> don't they? And it's just about rewiring that and saying actually, you know, when you get really anxious about something, it's like yeah. it's okay, this thing isn't gonna kill you. I know you're doing this
1: yeah.
0: and, but actually we're okay. And trying to rewire some of those thoughts that that you've
1: been having it's really tough though isn't it because yeah like for me i spent more of my life having those thoughts than anything else <laughs> yeah. so then you think oh right i can't listen to those or or no don't fight the thoughts yeah it's like a complete complete life shift really um but it, but then i say it like that but it wasn't it was day by day I and mean, it's all yeah you know little steps at a time and it was like you know when I notice it I'll say it's all right brain and that's what I do Uh, it's all right brain I know you're looking out for me (laughs) uh,
0: (laughs) yeah I do always say that I think like recovery isn't just like one decision that you make it's just a series of like really small decisions that you just have to make like over and over and over again rather than just one decision of like right I'm gonna recover
1: Oh yeah, it's all. It's everything's just one day at a time, totally. And like, and accept that sometimes you have a shit day, and, yeah. but it's not. That's not the end, you know. And, yeah, like a shit day doesn't,
0: fight doesn't fight. mean you failed. It doesn't mean you're not recovering anymore. It just, yeah. it just is. It's a shit day, and tomorrow is a new day, and you start again.
1: Yeah, yeah. So how have you found like um uh, like on social media now? People generally nice. Yeah, most of
0: the time. Like as you get. I, kind of, I find it weird that like, I have so many people following me because I don't really know why they do it, <laughs> so it's quite strange because it's happened quite quickly and I don't really understand why so I still kind of treat it as if I'm just talking to a void of like a hundred people and obviously it's quite a lot more than that now so it's quite weird so I don't know, every now and again I'll get like I'll get like a, a weird comment or like I get a lot of creepy men in my inbox <laughs> but like other than that, yeah, I would say like ninety percent of people are nice. And I've had some really good opportunities come through social media for like um like different public speaking things and like a few different podcasts and like writing opportunities and stuff like that. So um overall I would say it's definitely been more useful than bad for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think uh like you have to kind of um take it all with a bit of a pinch of salt. You know, like yeah. it can be something that can really bring you down if you let it. Okay. Um, but I think people are inspired by you, you know, oh. you're, you're, <laughs> sort of, you're getting up there and you're doing it and you've been knocked yeah. down and, but you've got back up again. That's really inspiring, you know, like, and I, that's, people need that, you know, they need to be able to hear that and they need to be able to see it. Like, it's like you're a, a survivor, you know.
0: Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> special about that. And I
0: think you kind of need to, like, with social media like some of it can be so toxic i think you need to kind of make it a safe space for you so that might be unfollowing um, people that you think are not very good for your mental health or you know be liberal with the block button if someone's being horrible you block them if what they're saying is upset and you block them like you don't owe people anything on social media at all no
1: no it's not a personal relationship is it that's the thing <laughs> it's like that you don't have to I find I'm like overly polite I fall over myself to be polite if someone like someone had a go at me the other day because I kept like you know posting about the podcast and I put subscribe on it and they were like I'm a mental health uh, nurse and I think I'm not comfortable with the word subscribe and at the time I'm like I just said oh well I'm sorry <laughs> you know, like I don't mean to offend, like, there was nothing. But actually, fair enough, I should think about what I'm putting. And then I'm like, subscribe? It's not prescribe, is it? Like, I don't <laughs> understand. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's not subscribe and, yeah. I
0: think you're never going to please everyone on social media, are you? And I have got a lot better, like, as my following has grown, I've got a lot better at setting boundaries i think and kind of yeah just like i just if someone's horrible to me now like 90% of the time i'll just block them very occasionally i will i will give in and i'll have an argument and then i'll be really cross with myself afterwards i think what was the point in that like it's so pointless arguing with people on social media like i'm not going to change people's minds as much as i would like to and i try and it doesn't get anywhere because people don't go into arguments on social media with the, the aim that they're going to change like that's just not how how people enter like these conversations. So yeah, yeah now I just block people. They're horrible to me, and it's just like they have gone straight away. I don't need to think about it anymore. And I would highly recommend that as a strategy, to be honest.
1: Yeah, they just want attention. That's all. That's all it mm-hmm. is. Right, a pretty normal kind of human thing. It's like you know, it's like shat swearing at a celebrity. That's <laughs> quite, quite yeah. good attention. Uh, I've, I've, I've certainly done that a few times. <laughs> so we're coming up to our end of the hour. Um, And I wondered if you had any kind of little things that you've learned along the way that you feel, you know, it might be a phrase or something like that that you you could impart on other people that you can think of. Because I've got hundreds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My biggest piece of advice is that I think if you are struggling, then just don't do that in silence because I know that every time i've been on wow without professional help i wouldn't have got to where i am and that's not to say that's true for everyone it might be that you're just speaking out to your friends and your friends are enough to kind of get you through whatever you're going through like it doesn't always have to be like it doesn't mean if you if you're not getting professional help you're doomed um but i think if you do kind of suffer in silence your chances of getting through what you're going through are are much smaller than if you're kind of reaching out to other people whoever they are um, my favourite phrase at the moment is, you're never too much, but you're always enough. Because I think it's a nice way of kind of thinking that actually you're you're exactly who you're supposed to be in the moment and you're perfectly good enough just as you are and you don't need to do anything to kind of change yourself because the people that love you, love you for you. And if people don't love you for you, they're not people that you need.
1: That's a lovely bit of advice. I like that. <laughs> that reminds me of... Uh um one that was uh you're exactly who you should be and where you should be i
0: like that yeah
1: because you're thinking the whole time oh, like, like for me i'm like i should be a rock star and it's like I'm <laughs> yeah. no you're, you're where you should be you're, like, you're yeah. meant to be there and you're, and you're meant to be as you are yeah i do think life has a way of kind of working itself out
0: yeah i do
1: as well yeah, <laughs> yeah we do Well, that's it. Thank you so much, Carl. I loved it. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for
0: having me.